What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Full 90 Podcast. Today, our guest is Jared Odenbeck, currently playing in Jungschille in the Swedish third tier. Uh, and yeah, we Jared joins to talk about his journey. Uh, we talk about his youth in Charlotte, growing up in the academy before moving on to Georgetown, uh, and then actually only staying at Georgetown for a semester before he transferred uh, to Wake Forest. Then we talk about some tough times. He played almost every game his sophomore year then through a coaching change found himself struggling for a starting spot uh, his junior and senior year uh, and the struggles to find consistent play continued in the first real year and a half of his professional career uh, for various reasons coaches injuries um, we talk about the low points that jared hit in this time period uh, and kind of what jared did to get himself out of this and basically to sum it up it was a contract where he got the structure and and care that he needed from the coaches from uh, just the club in general so uh, it was a very interesting conversation with Jared he called it a boring story but I wholeheartedly disagree I think it's something that people will resonate with um, somebody who struggled with injury who battled through injury and came out on the other side so yeah if you guys are enjoying the the podcast and please just leave us a rating and review pass this along to a friend a colleague a teammate or an aspiring footballer and uh, without further ado here's Jared and I What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Full 90 Podcast. Today, you're here with our guest, Jared Odenbeck, um, currently playing in Sweden, but I'll let you let him tell you a little more about that. Uh, so, Jared, welcome to the podcast. Kyle, thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to it. All right, let's, uh, let's do it. So, we're going to start you off. Uh, just give us a little bit of an intro. Uh, give us your name, where you're from, where you play, and uh, position. Yeah, so my name is Jared Odenbeck, uh, hometown Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I play for a club called Jungschile in Sweden and a uh, center midfielder. Okay, I still, I mean, I've already said this with Cam, but I still can't believe that's how you pronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> is, is beyond me. Yeah. All right, so we'll start you off just with two questions to get you talking a bit. Um, the first question is, who is the best player that you've played with or against in your career? Uh, yeah, I had two guys come to mind. Um, Jack Harrison would probably be the best one, probably the most well-known winger at Leeds at the moment. Hopefully he stays in the Premier League next season. Um <laughs> just so I can brag about having him as a former teammate. <laughs> uh, nah, but he's unbelievable player. I mean, he came to uh, to Wake for one semester, and from the first day of preseason, he had a he had a different level. Uh, everyone could tell his quality was just on a different planet from from what normal freshmen would have been coming in um, at Wake. You know, we had youth national team guys coming in, like three or four of them, every single recruiting class, and guys who had. MLS experience, whether it be training with the first team, playing games with the first team, but he was just a different level. Ball striking, tempo, reading of the game, yeah, finishing, unbelievable. Um, the other guy I would say would be a kid named Marco Staminich. Uh, I played with him in New Zealand. He's, uh, he's leaving uh, FC Copenhagen in the summer to go to Red Star Belgrade on a four-year deal. 
So he's okay. also freaking legit. He's an O2, I think. Yeah, O2. So he's quality. He's already played maybe 20-odd games for Copenhagen, played all their Champions League games in the group stages past year against, I think their group was like City, Dortmund, and Sevilla. Yeah, they had so, an unreal group. Yeah, so yeah, he's he's unbelievable as well. Number eight. Okay, not a not a bad short list there. Um, so we'll we'll just go into the second question. How would you describe yourself as a player? As a player, I would say I'd kind of just try and be a steady number six. Um, I have a decent passing range, but I try and just keep things moving more and connect the game. Um, I see my role as someone to just like give the ball to the players who are going to make the difference in the game, try and get them as many touches as possible, bring other players into the game, um, and then do the hard work for the team so that the good players can do like what they enjoy doing, which isn't running. Um, so yeah, I try and try and recover the ball, try and clean up second balls, keep the ball circulating in the team, be positionally disciplined. That's kind of my game. Okay. Love to hear that. That's what I love in a six. So as a center back, a nice little, little shield, uh, before the defense, cleaning some stuff <laughs> up, right. breaking the play up. That's right. All right. So we're just gonna, we're kind we're gonna talk about your journey and, uh, you know, you can kind of start as far back as you'd like. Um, but what was your, what was your youth football like, um, just growing up in the Charlotte area? Yeah, my youth football experience, I played for the same club from when I was seven years old until I was 18. Um, that club kind of shifted in size, name, coaching staff, all that, um, but more or less the same club. Um, I guess when I was, I would say 14 or so is when um, they introduced like the Development Academy, which is now extinct, I think, in, in youth football in the U.S., um, so that was kind of like a program for, I think it was like 70 or 80 clubs across the U.S. to kind of bring all of the good players, like, so to speak, into kind of one big pool where you're playing games that are more competitive week in and week out. And then giving kind of U.S. soccer an easier, I guess, pool of players to scout from and for college coaches to ID and all of that. So that happened when I was like 14 or 15 and... Um, I think it was around that age where I kind of decided, like, I want to give football as good of a shot as I can. Um, and, uh, yeah, I played in the, in the academy for four years, I guess. And then um, when I was a junior uh, in high school, uh, I committed to Georgetown. And uh, I was there for a semester <laughs> And then transferred to Wake Forest uh, and played three years there, and then graduated. So, uh, what was what was the behind the decision making of transferring? Was there anything particular? Or it just didn't feel, didn't have the feel about it. Yeah, I would say it was it was a number of factors. Um, the first factor was that I when I had committed, the depth chart looked different than when I actually showed up on campus. Um, a guy ended up committing really late in my class, um, who's now playing for St. Louis in the MLS named Josh Yarrow, like yeah, okay. still a pretty good friend of mine. Um, yeah. and he was 
way better than me. <laughs> just like objectively much better. Um, I also end up changing from a center back to a six, like the first day of preseason. So I came in first day of preseason. They're like, hey, uh, we're actually going to shift you as a six. And the guy that was in front of me, like got drafted by Real Salt Lake, was an All-American, like really good player. And the guy playing next to him ended up playing for the New England Revolution for a few years. So, like, those guys were just, like, I was, I was taking, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes just to, like, give them a water break during the game, more or less. Yeah. Um, so I, I had expected to play more going in. And then also I think um, maybe just, like, my experiences growing up were a lot different than what the culture was in D.C. Like, yeah. my family comes from the Midwest, but, like, I, I grew up in the South like went to a like pretty conservative Christian school growing up and DC is like a totally different feel from a culture perspective. Like, yeah, just across the board. Um, the Northeast is, is a lot different than the South from a cultural perspective. So, um, I think I had a hard, harder time connecting with people that were there because the people that were there were either athletes or it's like a lot of rich kids from boarding schools in the Northeast. Yeah. Um, or just kids who were like brainiacs. And so there was like one of those kids that I was, that I was connecting with, right. Which was like the people who were on my team and all that. So yes. from that, from that standpoint, um, I had an okay experience there, but I, I felt like I wanted to be in a position where I knew I had the trust of the coaches and that they cared about me and believed in me a lot. Um, and really like, unbelievable staff at Georgetown. Like I always tell people that when I was there, like I, I really liked being there from a football perspective from the day and day in and out like environment, but it was more so how I saw things progressing in the future. Yeah. Um, and obviously in the moment you just take like an educated guess, like you can't know exactly how things are going to go. Yeah, um, but my feeling kind of in that moment was like, I know they're going to bring in more players in the midfield next year who have a lot of quality. Um, and so in that moment, I kind of felt the, the fit for me socially and just from a life perspective hasn't been the best so far. Um, I didn't mind being away from home, but it was more so just like, I want to go to a place where I feel a bit more settled, a bit more comfortable. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily a knock against anything at Georgetown. It was maybe just a knock against like my own ability to adapt at that point um, and to be in an environment that I wasn't accustomed to. Um, so yeah, I ended I ended up transferring to Wake. Yeah, I mean that's it's certainly not kind of like what we do now, where you're just going to a different country solely for football. There's a lot of factors, of course, that go into committing to not just a program but to a school. So, you know, I could imagine. I mean, I've been there as well, of course, just adjusting to a lot. You know, it's a lot to take in, and if you don't feel comfortable, it's it's tough to tough to really thrive in any situation. You know. For sure. Um, so was Wake Forest always um, on the radar? Were they part of the discussion before George, or yeah, before Georgetown, or how did that come about? Yeah, it's it's super funny how it ended up working out. So they were initially kind of in the mix a little bit at the start, but they were like the one school that I was interested in that didn't give me any money. Um, okay. So they were like, yeah, you can have a preferred walk-on spot, and I had other ACC and. Pac-12 schools who were like, and Georgetown who were like, oh, no problem. We'll give you like a big scholarship. Yeah. So at the moment, 
like I had always wanted to go to Wake as a kid, um, being from North Carolina. But um, in that moment, I didn't really have the maturity to like see past just like, oh, they're throwing decent sums of money at me. Therefore, I must be really important. Um, which yeah, that's, it can that's be, but mean. we've seen, I mean, we've, I know that you've definitely seen as well. Like I've seen kids come in on full rides and then they're, they're just benched or even cut like within a year or two. Um, so in that moment I was like, well, this team clearly likes me. I'm going here. So I ended up, uh, moving on from wake probably like two months before I committed and narrowed it down a little bit more. Um, but yeah, afterwards I was, I was considering a couple of different schools. I was thinking about reaching out to Duke. Um, it was really Duke, St. Louis. Um, and then I was like, ah, I should probably try and like find something more. And my dad goes, Oh, why don't you like reach out to wake? I'm like, dude, these guys offered me a preferred walk on spot like six months ago or like, ah, oh, no, 18 months ago. Like, yeah. I played like half the games for 15 minutes a game my freshman year. Like it's not exactly a player that you're going to bring in on, on money. Um, yeah. But he was like, Oh, the worst they can tell you is no. So I was like, oh, that's true. Like I'll give it a shot. So I threw together some video and um, sent it over and yeah, they, they ended up getting back in touch and just saying, Hey, what's been going on? Like, you know, why are you wanting to leave? So I kind of explained and said what I was looking for. And they said, well, we're looking basically for your exact profile as a six. And we never really had scouted you as a six or seen you play there. But from what we've seen on your video, we kind of like a lot of the intangibles that you have and the qualities that we could maybe develop. And so the money situation, because I was coming in the spring was really good because they always have players leaving in December. Yeah. So there was a whole bunch of scholarship money that opened up at that moment. So I was able to go in on a full ride. Um, so that made, that made a huge difference, obviously. Um, so it helped out a lot. Yeah. So you, uh, just to clarify, you were being recruited um, both to Georgetown and all the other schools as a center back initially. That's right. And then switched to a six. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And do you, would you have anything to say about the, having that kind of versatility in your, in your locker of, um, I, I think six is obviously slightly a more, um, fun position than center back, but you know, there are obviously players who get put out of position. Would you have any, any kind of advice or any tidbit of information for somebody who's facing a position change just to potentially get on the pitch? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think especially the way that football's evolving at the moment, you have all of the top coaches in the world playing with so many like hybrid kind of systems, you know, like the rigid, like four, three, three, or the rigid four, four, two, or whatever shape it might be. Everything's so flexible now, like Brighton, for example, like they will build depending on the opponent in their like deep with the goalkeeper, they'll build a certain way in the, yeah. like against a mid block, they're building in a different shape. And in the final third, they have a different shape when they have the ball. So you have to be able to adapt and like, yeah, okay, you might be a right back. Like Pascal Gross is playing right back for Brighton at the moment, a pretty good amount. Yeah. In theory, he's like a 10 or an 8. But he understands like his role in, in that position and is able to be flexible. And so 
I think the one thing I would say is like, you don't want to be like a jack of all trades, master of none. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree. You want to have certain qualities, but you want, you want those qualities to be able to translate like John stones at the moment is playing as a right back. Like, like, you know, two years ago, you'd say, Oh, I can only play as a center back, but he's shown he can play as a right back. He can now invert into the middle and play as a double six in the buildup. So if you have certain qualities, like obviously it's up to, it's up to your coach to figure out how to best utilize them. But if you're able to have like really good awareness and like positional understanding, um, and you can kind of pick up those intangibles as you go, which makes you an asset to your coach. Because if the center back goes out and you're a right back, you can go play center back. If the six goes out, you can go and play six. Um, and that's something that's helped me, like, especially last season in my career, like, um, I played, I think like six or seven games as a right back. And like, had you asked me like, oh, are you a right back? I'd say, absolutely not. Like, I would say I'm a dreadful right back, Yeah. but I can play right back in a way that still will benefit the team. Like I might be different from the right back that was playing before me, but I can still go into that position and like do a job nonetheless. So I would say, yeah, versatility. Versatility is one of those things that's right up there with like availability as things yeah. that are super, super critical to having yeah. a long career. I think one, one term you messaged, or mentioned that stuck out to me was like positional understanding. Um, just as, as a footballer, you have to be able to understand different positions just, I mean, in order to better yourself as a player, but also in order to help the team. So I think that's the positional understanding, knowing a few positions and, and being able to, to figure out how to competently play those positions is massive, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I love that bit. Um, we'll talk a little bit about kind of your college career at Wake now and then kind of um, how you turned your your sights towards um, being a professional. And when when did becoming a professional really, like, seem a possibility to you? Yeah, so I guess I would say like it always seemed a possibility to me. Um, and I think my, my career at Wake started really, really well. So my first year, which was my sophomore year, um, I think I played like every game, which going from like not playing a whole lot at all to then going into like one of the better programs in the country historically was like a really big confidence boost for me. Yeah. And just knowing that, like, I, I had the quality to, to play with, like, some of the best players in the country. Um, we then had the coach who's currently at Wake, Bobby Muse. He came in um, going into my sophomore spring. So uh, our coach left Jay Vitovich, went to Portland Timbers. He's now coaching Pitt, which he's done, like, an unbelievable job there, taking them from yeah. easily the worst team in the ACC to now making the Final Four being there at the end of the year, which is so hard to do in college soccer. I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, so that coaching change for me from a playing time perspective was pretty bad. Uh, I didn't start another game in my career after that sophomore year. So really I came off the bench, maybe about like 30 times across two seasons, something like that. Um, but it was really good for me from a, from like a character perspective. Yeah. And uh, from a growth perspective and just personal development um, and knowing how to 
deal with the odds being stacked against you and and having a situation where he kind of made it clear to me like you're not going to play like from the start like that's not going to be your role and knowing that I couldn't really do anything to change that I just had to accept it and then try and do the best that I could for the team and the best that I could to continue to improve myself despite not playing games so um still super super valuable but I think in spite of all of that I I never questioned my my desire to play or that I could play. Like I was like, all right, obviously I'm not going to the MLS at this point. Like there's no chance of that. Like I knew that. But I was like, maybe I can get into the USL. At this point, it was only the USL and the NASL that you could do. Um, so I was like, I just need to get on trial somewhere, see what I'm what I'm like in terms of the level and you know what the opportunities are. Um, and it was really just a, a matter of convincing someone to give me a shot, um, which I know you've, you've been open about for your own journey. Yeah, um, and I think that's, I think that's the case for most, for most players. If you're not getting drafted, if you're not, um, at least from our era now, you know, there's so many leagues, like you have MLS next pro, you have USL league one, um, obviously the MLS and USL championship. So there's just, there's a lot of options right now, NISA. Obviously, we didn't have that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was just really a matter of finishing out um, and then trying to, to get in touch with as many clubs as possible and just say, give me a chance. Um, and I think the one thing that helped me a lot is I think it's easier for someone coming from a bigger school. Yeah, um, I, would agree. I think if you come from like a mid-major, or a small D1 or a D2 or a D3, like you have to really, really, really stand out or have a really unbelievable reference somewhere. Um, like, for example, the guy, um, one of the guys that was on trial when I was at Charlotte Independence, which is where I signed my first contract, um, he was the D3 National Player of the Year. And he's like oh, really? one of my really good friends now. Like uh, he was in my wedding. I was in his wedding. Um, okay. But he was like unbelievable. So good. Like a really one of those players that's really unorthodox when you look at him. Yeah. Like very much like Thomas Muller kind of vibes yeah, okay. where he's like really like gangly and loose in his movements. But just like his end product and his ability to just like get turned in really tight spaces and see things other players don't see and just, yeah, so good. Um, But that player, you know, nine times out of 10 is not even going to get a chance to go on trial probably at a place like that. So I was very fortunate in in that I had that, that name attached to me um, in terms of Wake Forest, like people in the U S just know what that is and for a lot of a lot of cases and fortunately for me it, it opened a couple doors and were able to get me a couple trials um and yeah like i said i ended up signing um with charlotte for my rookie year yeah okay i i definitely agree um you know coming from a smaller d1 school with with some of those statements um but i think um, maybe a little bit of a plug but i think that's why Europe is kind of so appealing um, in those, like when you get down to the lower or the smaller D1s and and the lower divisions, just because honestly in Europe, they either don't know or they don't give a shit about, 
about what yeah, the universe is to. Yeah, it, it's and that's exactly right. I, and I had that in my thoughts as I was saying that is just like in the U.S. like that carries weight here. Yeah, it means absolutely nothing. Yeah, Division One doesn't mean a whole lot to them. Like they don't they really no care. Idea you've played is. university. You've played university sport, which doesn't exist in most countries in Europe. Anyways, it doesn't exist here, yeah. at least in Sweden. Um, and yeah, it it doesn't mean anything to people here. So, like you said, it's it's a good opportunity for people to, if they have been like not caught up in the net of of pro football in the U.S., to take an opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, if you can play, you can play in Europe. That's basically That's right. the, the extent of it. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll, I got a little little sidetracked there. But uh, um, so how did this this first contract, you said you went on, on trial with Charlotte. Um, what did this first season look like for you? Did, did you go in and get to play some minutes, or how did the season look? First season was a total nightmare, man. It was a total shambles. It was, could not have gone any worse in a lot of for in a you lot of personally cases. or the club. Personally, the club did phenomenal. The club was, uh, okay. yeah, the club was absolutely on fire. Um, for me personally, I would just say first, um, and this is how far the game has come since I was a rookie. Yeah, I signed a zero dollar contract. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, a zero dollar contract and my competing offer. I went on trial with North Carolina FC, who's obviously now in League One. Then they were NASL. North Carolina FC offered me 425 a month with no housing. Oof. Did you get housing with Charlotte then? No. No? Lived with my parents. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, So that was my rookie, my first contract, right? What year was this? This was 2017. Would Alec Bartlett have been the center? He back? was there, I think, the year before, twenty sixteen. I think I know the name, yeah, center right. back, right? Yeah, 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 big yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, to ask that. Yeah, I don't know him personally, but I've I've seen him play before. Um, but uh, yeah, so I came in and in preseason, like I was in the mix. I wouldn't say I was first choice center back by any means, but like the first ga- uh, first game week of the year, I make the bench. So as a center back, you're never going to play unless there's a catastrophe, obviously. Um, Next training week, we were doing some finishing and I took a shot off of my left foot and just felt a massive pop in my groin. And uh, I had never had like a, like a real muscle injury before. Yeah. So I was like, okay, man, I just like tweaked my groin. It'll be like a week or two weeks or whatever. Dude, it was like, three months um and uh yeah like they all they were like oh it'll be six weeks then we'd get like four weeks in and have a setback they'd push the timetable back yeah and uh are dangerous yeah after uh after two months the coach called me into his office and he was like look i hate to do this it's no one's fault it's definitely not your fault but like we have to sign another center back ahead of you in the depth chart because they're saying they don't know like when you're going to be fit and we need to bring in another one with experience because right now we only have three who are fit if one of them's you know picking up an injury we're really in trouble Mm -hmm. so then they brought another one so then i'm i'm fifth choice when i come back and i'm fit 
So I'm like, all right, I, you know, I, I love the, the club and, and the opportunities I have here and it's nice to be in my hometown and the training yeah. is, is good and it's a good environment. But like, I haven't played games for the past two years at Wake yeah and i just want to play some freaking football like <laughs> and uh you know my body at this moment is in a bad position so i'm like i just want to go somewhere where i i can play and like see what i can do and like see if this is even like a realistic pursuit for me anymore yeah um so i went to my coach and i just kind of told him my thoughts and he was like look we'll we'll support you no matter what like you obviously have like a valid contract at the end of the year, but like, you know, if you want to leave, you know, we respect it a hundred percent and, and we'll do whatever we can to, to help you out. So, oh, so you, um, went, you went to him mid season. Yeah. Mid season. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I just kind of told him, I was like, look, you know, I'm not an idiot. Like I'm fifth choice center back. I'm not really fit. Like if I'm reading the room, right, there's no chance I'm getting a game this year. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah it would take a total disaster for you to play like uh so i was just like i was just like yeah like and i you know i don't blame him like the center backs again the center backs in front of me better more experience you know i got no issue with anything he's saying it's just all right what's the what's the situation going to be in that case then um so my one of my classmates and teammates from wake um his girlfriend was playing in Damo Svenskan in, in Sweden, like the highest women's league yeah, in Sweden. Yeah, okay. Exactly. She also went to wake with us. Um, oh, and nice. she had told me, like, because she knew my situation, like, she was in the same class as us, close with all of us. And she was kind of like, hey, like, if you ever wanted to try, like, something in Sweden, like, I'm signing there. I have a relative who's from there and like knows like a couple people there. So if you ever want to go down that road, just, you know, let me know and I'll, I'll see what I can do. I can't promise anything, but you know, I'll see what I can do. And I was like, that sounds awful. There's no way I want to do that. Cause I, I had had a couple of buddies, um, one from Georgetown, one who I grew up playing Academy with who had gone to Scandinavia for a short period of time and hated it. We're just like, dude, it sucks. It's, isolating like it's lonely it's hard the weather's terrible blah 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 so i was like man i don't want that there's no way i'm doing that so i told her i was like nah i don't i'm not interested in that um but then here i was six months later with absolutely no dice in the game uh at charlotte so i was like yeah hey if there's anything that's that's still open like i'd be open to it at least hearing so i got in touch with her relative and he got me a trial with a club on the fourth tier of, of Swedish football. What time was, of year was this? This was July, July. Yeah. Oh, okay. So middle of the season. Yeah. And, uh, I was just like, man, I'm leaving the USL to go to the fourth tier of Swedish football. Like, yeah. but at the yeah. same time I was like, well, like <laughs> clearly not good enough for the championship at the moment. So, like I need to go, I need to go somewhere else where I can play and like, see if I have what it takes to like work my way at the ladder. Um, so yeah, I went there for a week, um, booked a one-way flight. was just like, let's send it. Let's see what happens. Um, and yeah, it it worked out like, um, so I played there for five months, I guess. 
and uh, well, they just, uh on this this trial they just liked you enough to to keep you around and sign you yeah i i was really fortunate um the coaches were unbelievable man like like fourth tier swedish football you're like oh can these guys even be good like the coaching staff and all that but like they ended up they ended up coaching in superetta on like uh two or three years after that in the second tier of sweden which is obviously super legit level and like proper league um so they had like yeah an awesome system it was kind of like they were the first ones like i hadn't really seen that early in my career, like the three box three that Tuchel used at Chelsea a lot, like yeah, a three okay. four three with the box in the middle with the false yeah. tens. Mm-hmm. It was like a three six one basically. Like that's kind of what we were doing. Interesting. Um, and it was just like play out of everything. Like if you turn the ball over in your own eighteen yard box, don't worry about it. Just go press. Like <laughs> so, it fit, fit my skill set. As a, like I was playing center back, um, okay. so it fit my skill set really, yeah. really well, because it was just like pass first, defend later. So um, yeah, it was just I guess a good fit in my case, and um, yeah, really enjoyed playing there. Um, it was a, a lot of fun in terms of playing under those coaches. A number of yeah. my teammates either played in or are currently playing in Superettan as well. Um, so we had a really, really good team of good, like young players who were hungry. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, just to backtrack a little, when you went to Sweden, were you like, when you left Charlotte, were you still trying to play as a center back or was, was there a possibility of you trying to play as a six or kind of what were you, what was your preferred I wanted to play as a six. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be there, but the coaches were just like, for us in this system, you're a center back. Like, okay. Because, yeah, the, the two guys that were playing in the middle were more or less, like, just eights with super engine, like, yeah. yeah. So it kind was of what you need in that system. The, most of the game in terms of, like, our building out where it would normally go through a six, like, in a 4 three, 3 or something was was going through the center backs a lot of the time. Like, we had a ton of the ball in the game. So it was just yeah, a, okay. a good fit, yeah. Okay, nice. So you finished the season, like you said, five, what, five months? Yeah. Um, and then you went back to the US, right? What was the were you just yeah, kind of thinking so, uh, now that you had a contract you could could make your way back up the ladder in the US or what was the thinking there? Yeah, so I, it's funny. I went on trial after the season with uh with Yung Chile, the team that I play for okay. now. Um and I I think it was like the last game of the season with the team that I had been playing with um called Lindeme in Sweden. I was feeling my groin a bit again. Oh no. But then I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, oh no is right, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had like, I think I had like a month between the trial and our last game of the year. So I was like, I'll just play one more game. Like, you know, then I'll have a month where I can just do rehab, get fit, it'll be fine. Yeah. So I play that game whatever. It doesn't really feel any worse. And I'm rehabbing for like four weeks, like with a PT, everything. And it's just not getting any better. And so the time comes and I'm like, all right. uh, I think if I just can make it through like a couple weeks and just survive, I can at least get a decent chance. Maybe it'll work out. You know, I can stay here permanently on a work permit 
Let's yeah. see. So I go and the first day, man, I was just like, all right, I'm not using my left foot at all. Like I literally, like if it's coming on my left side, I'm using the outside of my right or maybe my toe, who the frick knows, like, but I'm not using my left foot, like can't pass on my left. After that training session, I was like, I'm not in a good place. Yeah. Like I remember I, I went back, back home to my apartment and I got off the tram and I was walking up the hill to my apartment and I was just like, man, this is no good. And you yeah. know, like if you have a groin problem and you're like struggling to walk, like it's bad news. How are you about to train? <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll sleep it off. Like we'll give it a go the next day. Like it'll yeah. be fine. So I showed up the next day. Yeah. I mean, it was like I can't run more than like you know sixty percent pace. Can't turn. Was this, and like, was this something you had like discussed with the with the coaches, or were you just keeping this all under wraps? And no, nah, I just kept it under wraps. So after after yeah. the second day, I, I went to their sporting director who was there and like watching. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, my groin is in a shambles. Like I can't yeah. even move. And he's like, well, you just just stay like one more week, like if you can get through it, like, and you're sharp and like, you're playing well, like there could be something here. I think like, we like what we've seen from you so far. And I was like, I was like, dude, you don't understand. Like I literally cannot move. Like it's, it's November and it's like 10 degrees Fahrenheit, 15 degrees Fahrenheit outside. So like, that's not ideal for a muscle problem. Plus, yeah, just too much pain. Like, and I told him, I was like, man, I, I can't, like, I just need to go home. And he's like, all right, go home, see if you can get it sorted out in the U S like if you can come back here in February, you can come into preseason with us, whatever. Yeah. So I go back to the U S trying to rehab it again. And it's like, just getting worse, like debilitating. Yeah. So my PT, fortunately he was super connected and sent me to this like groin and hip specialist in Philadelphia. And, um, yeah, I went up there for a scan and uh, the doc looks at the scan and he's like, all right, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, we'll slice you open for, for an operation. So, yeah, oh. that was uh, that was in January of, of 2018. Um, so, as you know, you don't want to be having a surgery in January if you're trying to find a contract in the U.S. or in Scandinavia. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... That was more or less my uh, my 2018 totally shot because um, yeah. that was four or five month rehab process. I ended up going to Tormenta, who were in um, in the USL League Two, which was used to be called uh, PDL back in the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to go League One the next year, so I was like, ah, maybe I can go in there, play well, see what happens. I was telling someone else, um, I did a podcast like a few months ago with another guy and uh, I was telling him, I commented for ESPN on more games than I even made the bench for with Tormenta. (laughs) No kidding. So I think, yeah, I think I made the bench for maybe two games and then I commented like five or six. So that summer for me was a total wash. My fitness was horrendous. Like... Yeah, couldn't couldn't pass the ball more than ten or fifteen yards. Um, yeah, couldn't use my left really. So, yeah, not ideal. At that point, I was kind of like, well, 
I can't even play games in PDL. Where can you go from there? <laughs> yeah. That's and I got, a, I got a text out of the blue from the same guy who helped me in, in Sweden previously, and he was just like, if you want to come play in the fifth tier, like, I know you're not fit, but, like, I've got a friend. He needs a favor. Like, it'll be pretty good money for you. Like, if you want to come help him out, like, come and play, like, you know, 12, 15 games. Yeah. Like, let me know. So I was like, what else am I going to do? I don't know. Sure, I'll do it. So I went there. I was only fit for, like, I don't know, two-thirds of those games, so maybe 10 out of 15. Played with pain yeah. the whole time. Um, yeah, and I, I would say that's kind of when I bottomed out in terms of, like, my hope. Um, yeah. I think if you if you rewind, like, two years, all right, I didn't play a lot my last two years at Wake. Yeah, still was able to get, even though it was a terrible contract, still able to get onto a squad in the USL. And now you go two years forward where you're supposed to be progressing in your career and I'm playing in the fifth tier of Swedish football and I'm not fit enough to even play all the games. So, um, uh -oh. yeah, I would say that was kind of when I, when I bottomed out in terms of a lot of my hope and just like, yeah, I think I really came to terms at that point with like, yeah, I probably need to consider retiring and just like, I don't have any, I don't really have anything else. Last we heard was you said the last two years at Wake you weren't playing much and then you're kind of leading into, you know, not having played a few, played played for a few seasons I guess. I don't know yeah, if you exactly. lost, lost the train of thought, but I got a question if you if you fire away, lost it. fire away. So uh, the first question was. After your your season with the your five months with the Swedish team, was it not a possibility to to stay there, or what? What kind of happened in that situation? Yeah, so at that point, you could come here for I think it was like ninety or a hundred and twenty days. Oh, so you were on a um, visa, on a tourist visa. Exactly. Um, exactly. Okay. So you can, you can play on a tourist visa there. You used to be able to. 2019 was the first year that they changed that. So 17 and 18, I was able to do that for like I've three or four months or whatever. And then okay. migration changed the policy in like, I think 19 it was, where you had to be on a work permit. So then at that point, you could only play in Etan, the third tier yeah. or higher. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And then the, the second one. Um, so after this surgery, did you not, it didn't, quite fix all your issues or did you come back a little earlier what what kind of happened with this groin i had a complicated rehab process um i think like six weeks in i was progressing pretty well and uh i was passing a ball so i was like passing a ball one day with my pt and like he's not a footballer so like, yeah. you know he's he's hitting it in like running shoes and khakis you know what i mean like yeah. i can so he kind of like shanks one and it was like outside the frame of my body which at that yeah. point i wasn't really comfortable like reaching for anything so i reached to pass it with my right foot so my left foot was like my left side was like on a big stretch yeah. and i felt another pop oh no um and i told him i was like i felt something there like and it wasn't good like i felt a bit of a pop and he's like ah it's probably like scar tissue or whatever but I called my doctor who did my surgery and he was like, you need to fly up again. So I flew up again and they like 
gave me a few injections um, and like did a couple more scans. And so the injections were really just like painkiller for like yeah. six to eight weeks, basically. Just um, like a cortisone shot. Exactly. Yeah. So that got me through that, that period or whatever, but I still felt like, I know that the surgery was like successful, but, um, yeah, I just, I mean, the pelvis and hips are so complicated. Yeah. And, um, I was just like really deep into the woods and in that regard. And I, I had, yeah, when I look back, I just had a lot of stuff going on and, you know, I was, I was very much, uh, I don't even know like what you would say necessarily, but like my, my approach to strength and conditioning was just like, oh, I need to be hammering like hip and groin and like band exercises and core and all of this. And like, I just think I was so overloaded in that area, man, that like just too much fatigue. I was like the full, the full extent of my training, you know? So, and I think that I think also like anytime you have surgery, like you'll, you'll know now from this point, like your nervous system has like a ton of protective mechanisms to like keep that area just like surviving. Like you literally cut open your body, like your brain and your nervous system doesn't take nicely to that most of the time. So there's a, there's definitely like a real, a real thing of like, uh, yeah, coming back from a trauma and in that sense where it takes your body quite a while. And it's especially for me, like having played for like in pain really for, you know, at that point it was like two years. Um, you just build up a lot of protective mechanisms against feeling that pain. And there is a huge mental component to, to pain as well. Um, so yeah, I just think all those factors added up to it going really poorly for me the first two years. Yeah. That's tough. Okay. So we'll, we'll kind of try and pick up back where you, where you were, but you went to this fifth division team, correct? Yeah. And you had some, uh, you still had some groin issues then, right? Yeah. Or how did that, how did that kind of. Do you guys have, uh, do you have Volterian in Iceland? Of course. Yeah. So yeah, I was was on that every day, dude. Just like a, it's basically like a icy hot type of cream. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you can take it with uh, as a pill as well here. Yeah, Volterin Forte for the the stronger one. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like my multivitamin, man. <laughs> so wake yeah, up in the morning, one, yeah. eggs, coffee, Volterin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, that yeah, um, yeah, the pill, the cream, like all that, and yeah, I just I wasn't fit and and mentally not in a good place. Um, yeah, like I said, I really, I would say I bottomed out. It's probably the lowest point of my yeah. life, I would say. So what super, were you... super alone. Um, go yeah. ahead. So what were like, when you say you bottomed out, was it, what was your thinking kind of at this point? Was it football might be done for me? Or was it like, how can I climb out of this hole with football? Or, or what was the, where was your head at? It was not knowing if I would ever be able to like work out without having pain in my life. So football wasn't even coming. It was literally just like, can <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, can I, I mean, football, I was like, football, I was looking around and I was like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I just, yeah, I, I had, I had no lines in the water at that point. Yeah. Um, 
And I kind of knew that going in. Like, I knew, like, yeah, I'm playing in the fifth tier. Like, that's not good. No one's watching that. Especially not when you're 23 years old at that point. So, um, yeah, I just, I really had no idea going into that off season. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going to train just because I love to train and, like, stay fit with a bunch of guys in Charlotte that, that play. Um, but, you know, bar, bar a miracle or someone doing me a gigantic favor, like, I don't really see how this is going to work out. I had hope in the back of my mind, you know, but like a bit of a false hope, probably, uh, admittedly, but, um, you got to keep the, the fire burning. That's right. That's right. I, yeah, I, I, um, I was super fortunate, man. So, uh, one of my friends from Charlotte, uh, Charlotte independence. Yeah. He, um, he was also, also there at the same time I was, and he, um, he played for Varberg Boys, who are now in Alsvenskan, but they were in Superettan when he was there. Okay. And uh, this was 2018. So we were in Sweden at the same time. He's playing Superettan. I'm playing fifth tier. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I would go and watch his games every now and then. We'd hang out a bit. Because Varberg is like 45 minutes train from Gothenburg, where I was. So. Okay. Um, he had a kid come from New Zealand on trial to his club and the kid was like 18 or whatever and he was just like dude i'm telling you this kid was like the truth like 18 years old unbelievable feet his brain was on like a different level for his age like super talent and he was like you know what is your deal like you come from new zealand where did you come from like how do you know all this like new zealand is just like you know uh winston reed from uh, west ham like hard nose bruisers like yeah. chris wood <laughs> rugby players you know um and so uh he was like oh i, I come from this academy called uh, Olay uh in new zealand and like probably most of the youth national team like half the youth national team players are like coming out of this academy at the moment we have two americans running it and so at the moment, like right at that moment, he was like, you have to tell me like who these people are. Like, I just want to yeah. know the project. Um, so he got in touch with the guy and was just like, hey, I'm just interested in like the project as a whole. Like, I don't want to come play in New Zealand, but like, you know, explain What's to me how on, you're doing man. all this. And yeah. yeah, I just wanted to talk because he's really interested in like tactics and like philosophy and all that and youth development. Yeah. So, um, and the guy was like, yeah, you know, if, if you know of any players like who could be a good fit, we always bring in like two older guys every year to kind of like lead and like help the young players develop, yeah. like um, teach them what it's like to be a professional, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Cause the whole first team is like 17, 18, 19 year old kids. Interesting. So um, he basically like, called me and he was like dude you got to hear about this so i was like i mean yeah put me in touch with a guy like i don't have anything to do yeah. i have nowhere to be nothing in terms of prospects so like sure so i got in touch with him um and uh he was like you know where have you played again really good fortune because he's american so he knows what uh, okay. stuff is yeah so he was like yeah, seems like a good fit. Like, come out here and like, we'll do it. So I didn't have to trial or anything. It was just a straight contract. Okay. And then he was like, hey, we're also looking for a center back profile. Um, he's like, 
you know, if you know of any center backs yeah. who are at a club who could be a good fit, who are like willing to do some work outside of just football, um, you know, give me a shout and we'll see if it's if it's a good fit for us. So then that was how Cam ended up uh, ended up getting to New Zealand with me as well. So then yeah, we spent uh, we spent 2019 there. So that was uh, that was cool. And again, that's where I played with a lot of players who are really really talented and now like getting into first teams of like big clubs yeah. uh, across Europe. So yeah, cool experience. Yeah, that's awesome. So just. I mean, at every, from what I'm understanding, at every turn, basically, you've kind of just had like a bit of a lifeline in in some connection you've made in football one way or another. Um, Can you kind of just speak to that? Like, I don't want to say you're using these connections, but how are you forming this this network, these connections where, where something's just popping up in your time of need? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I'm. I I would just when I look back, it's you know I like I didn't hit up my buddy in Varberg and be like, hey dude, like like he just called me out of the blue and he goes, hey, uh, I just heard about this thing and like thought of you. Yeah. Um, same with you know my friend's girlfriend who's now his wife. Um, you know she was just like, hey, like this might be of interest to you. Um. Then that guy who helps me out in, in Sweden calling me up and saying, hey, what are you doing? Like, for me, like, yeah, I I believe that that's just God caring for me. Like, yeah, that's enough. like, that's my belief. Yeah. Um, I know people have all different kinds of beliefs out there. Like, that's the lens that I see it through. But if you're going to take it from like a, a non-supernatural, non-spiritual lens, then I would just say like, if you're making... Because uh, I think there's a real way of doing it where, you know, you and everyone knows these kinds of people, right? Where you're you're being kind to someone because you're like, oh, I'm if I'm kind to them, I'm going to get something back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that to me is like manipulation. Yeah. But I think that there's a real kind of like pure hearted kindness. And for me at the time, like I had no idea that I was going to need help from these people. Yeah. Like I had no idea that they would even want to help me out. Um, and so I would, I would just say like, no matter who you're meeting and obviously like you can't, you can't be someone who you're not. Cause then people yeah. will just see straight through that. Yeah, it's gotta be with sincerity. Um, yeah. But I think, I think there's like, you're not going to go wrong from being like a genuine person who like really cares about other people. Yeah. Like I've tried as much as possible throughout my career and I wish I could have done it more um, to prioritize the other people in the locker room or the people around me over myself and just to really like invest in them as, as friends and just as like, yeah, let's enjoy this time that we have together. Yeah. Cause a career is, a career is fast. It is it's gone before you know it. Um, so I've always done my best to just say like, man, I want to care about every single person in this locker room as much as I can. Obviously, you're going to be really close with some, some people you're never going to talk to from the day that you leave that club, the day that they leave the club. Um, But the hope is just that you can leave some sort of positive impact on them in some way, whether it's helping them in the future, whether it's 
having a conversation over a coffee with them one day that helps them five years down the line or gets them out of a rough patch or if it's giving them an encouraging word when they're, you know, in an injury process or in a rehab or not playing a lot of games. Like, I've just always seen football or whatever I do is just like a, just a tool to try and be able to help other people and try and be able to like lift up other people around me. Um, so I would say that's, that's maybe like where that comes from. I don't believe in karma from a sense, like people might say that's karma. I don't really believe in karma, but I don't know. I just think that, I think it's great when people can help other people. And so like, because of all the help that I've had in my career, like I'm happy to, happy to give that to other people for sure. Yeah, I love that. I believe, uh, yeah, not necessarily karma, but I mean, what goes around comes around. You know, if you're in a position to to help somebody, uh, you know, why there's no there's no reason not to help. You know, so yeah, just building those uh, sincere relationships. I mean, you never, like you said, you never know when you're gonna. I'm not gonna say need somebody, but when somebody can be of help to you, or when you can be of help to somebody. So. Yeah, I love that message. Um, so we'll kind of we'll we'll move a little bit towards the kind of the last leg, and I guess we'll call it the present. But you then, so after this season in New Zealand, you went back to the U.S. again, right? That's right. Yeah. So how? All right, I'm just gonna have you. I'm gonna. I've got a question forming, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Fix the wording, so I'm gonna let you just talk about uh, like when you went back to the U.S. and and Tucson. Um, how did you? How was your experience in the U.S. after playing this full year in New Zealand? Did were you a different person? Yeah, I would say I was a totally different person and different player. Yeah. Um, I think that the thing that uh, my club in New Zealand, Olay, the thing that they did so well is that they gave you. They gave you all the development tools you could want as a player. Um, a super clear framework stylistically from, you know, age 10, once you're playing like bigger size football to the first team, a clear pathway, the exact same training methodology from when you're five or six years old to when you're in the first team. Interesting. And it was all about play. Yeah. Um, no passing patterns. You know, no, like, aimless technical repetition. It was all about playing, all about playing in your position. Um, so everything, they would always say that, like, football is uh, data, decision, and execution. So it's, like, taking in information, um, making a decision based on that information, and then executing that decision that you've made. Interesting. Um, so they had all these all these things um, that were just so practical and, and helped me a ton in terms of taking steps forward as a player. Um, even doing a lot of work, just like personal development and like, how are you as a person? Like, do you have traumas in your life? Like, what's your background like? Like, what are you dealing with at the current moment? Like a really holistic approach. Um, are you saying- this was? Sorry to interrupt. Is are no, no, you go saying, for it. Go like for it. from a coaching standpoint, or is this just like the whole cl- the club as a whole? The whole club. 
the whole club, but it's just like very ingrained in their coaching, their philosophy, everything. Um, so it was way more than just football. And I think that because it was that it was, it was, yeah, it was the experience that I needed like in that moment yeah. to take a step back and say like, all right, I've just been, you know, headbanging football and trying to make it and trying to be this and trying to be that. And I need to do it on this timeline and all of this. Yeah. And like, I think that they really helped me take a step back and see it from a much different lens. And like, maybe I don't need to make it at the highest level. Like I would love to make it at the highest level, but maybe that's yeah. not what's best for me. Maybe what's best for me is I need to play at a lower level for two or three years, or I need to do this for two or three years or whatever. Um, and, uh, and to really just like, yeah, focus on maximizing like who you are and not to try and be someone else or not to try and like live someone else's life, um, in a sense. But, um, our coach would always tell me like, uh, he would tell our whole team as well. He would say, uh, there's a difference between looking good and getting better. And he's like, everyone who wants to be a pro wants to look good. Yeah. Everyone who's like actually going to take steps and like going to be a pro is going to be getting better. And if you're in the business of getting better, like it's going to be ugly sometimes, but that's going to pay off in three, four, five, six years. So it was a lot of like long-term long game, like, you know, think about when you're 30 years old, like kind of stuff. Interesting. Um, so because it was so process oriented, everything that we did was so process. Um, I was able to just kind of like relax a lot more and just let go of a lot of the like expectations and the burdens that I had put on myself, um, that were not helping me at all. So being able to step back, think way more process, way more about just developing, improving, being in a good environment, growing as a person, as a player was, was really, really good for me. Um, and I think had there, had the New Zealand league been at a higher level, I think I would have loved to stay longer. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, at that moment I only had a one year visa and I thought that the league was not as competitive as what I would have wanted. Okay. Um, so yeah, I ended up going back to the U S and, um, playing for Stumptown Athletic, which was a club in Nisa okay. in 2019, 2020. Um, and then in 2021, uh, went to Tucson. Okay. I, I think it's very interesting to hear you speak about New Zealand because we, we only got a snippet of it from Cam. And I think you guys, you speak on it very differently. Obviously, you both had like had success there and enjoyed it and loved it and moved on. But I just think it's, it's so funny to hear Cam talk about it versus you, you know, he glossed over a little bit and then, <laughs> and you, you're saying this was, you know, basically career changing, career changing year. Yeah. And I think, I think in Cam's situation, like we just came in in different scenarios. Yeah. Like it was, it was really Cam's first actual contract. Mm hmm. And for me, I'd been beaten up by the football world for two years. Um, and for me, it was, it was a space where I could just like totally be myself and not have to worry about like, oh, where's like my next contract going to come from? Or, oh, I need to yeah. do this to impress the coach. But where I was like, 
not that it was a controlled environment, but more so that it was just like, yeah, I, I felt really free there. Um, and having been through so many ups and downs and so many, I mean, four clubs in two years, like, yeah. I felt like I could just kind of exhale in that environment and that it, it fit me as a player really, really well and as a person. So, um, yeah, I'll always be thankful to them because they, they truly changed my, my career. Awesome. So now currently in Sweden, how, how did you get back to Sweden? Yeah. Um, so I got back to Sweden last year, January. Um, and I got back to Sweden because the goalkeeper, so my friend who, my friend Zev, um, yeah. I'm going to plug him. He's the, the college soccer guy on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. Um, so if you want to play college soccer, hit him up or hit up Kyle because Kyle's smart too. Um, don't hit me up though. Cause I'm way out of the loop. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, when he was at Varberg, um, there was an American goalkeeper that was there and, uh, I'd never met him, but, um, long story short, uh, my now wife, I had met online on Twitter. That's where all the, okay. the hot Scandinavian girls are. They're on Twitter. <laughs> if you guys are wondering. <laughs> That's why. Uh, so yeah, we. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we met online at the start of 2020, which was right when COVID started. Yep. So we were just yeah speaking very casually for quite a long time during COVID. Nothing to do. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I think this would have been when I was at Tucson. Um, we kind of started saying, all right, we've been speaking for like a year. We've obviously never met, but like we want to meet up at some point. So she was able to come to the U S visit me, visit my family. And we were just like, yeah, it was great. Like talking over distance, but like in person, you know, there's no red flags. It went great. So then at that point I was like, I need to try and get to Sweden. Um, she's a nurse, so for her to move to the U S is a bit complicated Yeah, because she would have to take like all of her certifications and everything in Oof, English, yeah. which like Scandinavians speak amazing English, but that yeah. kind of like technical stuff is a different level. So that was never really in the question. So it was a matter of like, all right, what am I going to do? Um, and I didn't really have that many irons in the fire. My coach from Stumptown knew a guy who, when he was at the Charlotte Eagles, no, when he was at Pittsburgh Riverhounds as a coach, he knew a guy who was coaching New York Red Bull in MLS. This was like 2012, yeah. probably, I don't know, a long time ago. Oh, okay. Um, and this guy was a Swedish guy, and he he's coached like big clubs, so he's coached AIK, uh, FC Copenhagen, I think Jurgården, and like a few other teams in Allsvenskan. And now he's like the champ. He's like a Champions League like studio analyst in Sweden. So like everyone knows him. Okay. Um, he connects me with this guy, and he goes, "Hey, I know that you know he's my coach was an unbelievable guy. Like cared about me as a person a lot. I was close with him. He's like, I know that your girlfriend is in Sweden. I want you to go there." and to make her your wife. Therefore, okay. <laughs> therefore, I'm connecting you 
to uh, to this guy. So, um, yeah, so I got connected to him, and he uh, he set up two trials for me, and uh, one in Super Etan, one in Division One. Okay, Etan. Yeah. Like, the day before I'm gonna leave, uh, I was supposed to get details from the sporting director of the club in Superettan. Their coach greenlighted everything. He's like, yep, sounds good. I'll have the sporting director send you all the details. Never got any. So I follow up with their sporting director and no response. And I'm like, dude, like my flight is literally tomorrow. Like, (laughs) so I call him and he doesn't answer, but then writes back to me and he goes, Hey, uh, we've just had an internal meeting. Like I, I spoke to the coach. I know that he approved it. He's new at the club this season. He doesn't know how all of our policies work with transfers and all of that stuff. And he goes, unfortunately, we have a policy at this club where we must play against the player in a match or have sent a scout to scout them specifically in order to bring in someone on trial. We don't do like deals like this where we have a contact who knows the coach or whatever and we bring in players like that. It's not how we operate. So he's like, unfortunately, you, you have no trial with us. So you I was like, get a trial. No, I mean, you so I was like, like book to Sweden and everything. Oh, yeah. So I was like, that's a problem. But I still had the one in division one. So yeah. I was like, okay, no worries. So anyways, uh, I fly over land. And I have a text from the club in division one. And they go, Hey, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to bring you in the budgets looking different. We just don't think that we can afford a work visa because they have to pay a minimum. Yeah. It's like, I think, fourteen fifty U.S. dollar a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they go, we just we don't have the budget for that. Just got promoted. We just don't think we can do that at this point. Things have changed for us. We're sorry. We apologize. So I had zero. Apologies are um, nice. I had, but, uh, you're in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had already planned, um, fortunately... And, and this is where it goes back to my friend Zev, the American goalkeeper um, who he was with. I had like a period of four days basically before my first trial with that club in Superettan. Yeah. Um, and so I went to my girlfriend's parents' house, saw them. And then from the beginning, I had planned to go and train. This guy is now the goalkeeper and assistant coach of a team in Division One, but they had no budget. So I had gotten in touch with him like through my buddy Zev. And he was like, hey, man, like, you know, you can come train with us if you want. But like, we just we don't have the money for you. Like, we can't pay for foreign players. But like, you know, stay at my apartment for a few days with my wife and I like come train with our team. You know, I, I green lighted it with our coach. Like, but again, like can't be a trial. We don't have the money for you. Yeah. But, you know, just come and like get some touches in before you go on your trials, whatever. Um, so I, I could at least go to his place. Um, so. I, I went to his place and, and ended up now training with them for like about two weeks with this club um, in Division One because I had I had nothing. I was just there yeah. contacting teams, calling, texting, coaches, yeah. sporting directors, everything, getting literally no dice. Um, and so I, I ended up calling back the team who said, hey, we don't have any budget for you um, that had kind of canceled on me like right when I got into Sweden. Yeah. And I was like, look, I know you don't have any budget. I don't care. Just let me come on trial anyways. Like, 
if you don't even want to call it a trial, that's fine. But like, I just want to like be in front of you in person if you're okay with that. And like, if you don't like me, you don't think I'm worth it. Fine. I don't, you know, I don't care, but I at least want to like, I've come all the way here. Like, I just want to have something if that's okay with you. And so they were like, all right, that's fine. Like come for a week, you know, we'll evaluate. So I'm there for a week. They go, Hey, you're, you're good enough for the level, but like, we just, we can't spend this money on you. Like you're not a player that's going to change the dynamic of our team. Like you're not going to score 20 goals in a season. So like, we just, yeah, yeah, we don't have a space for you. Sorry. So then I was just super desperate because at this point it's February yeah, and uh, I had no leads. So I was like, you know what? Like, what if I just went and showed up at Yung Chile one day? Like, (laughs) so you just showed up like facilities. Yeah. I was like, what if I just went and showed up? Like at this point I'm desperate, right? I have, I have nothing. So like, yeah, take a line out of my, out of my dad's book. Like the worst they can say is no. Um, so I knew that all the people at the club were different than when I was there in 2017. Cause now it's 2022, five years later, everyone's changed. Yeah. Um, new sporting director, new head coach, new everything. No one's left. So I go there it's a two hour train ride from my, uh, from my girlfriend's parents' house. Oh, wow. Okay. So buy the train ticket, go there. And I was like, for sure, they're going to be training, you know, four o'clock preseason. It's February. They're not training. There's oh. one car in the parking lot and there's literally one window on in the whole clubhouse. And I'm like, dude, freaking a man. I was so pissed. I like had walked 20 minutes through the snow and the train from the train station. Oh, and, uh, there was just one guy up there and I can see him like sitting at his computer, like typing away, you know? And so I go on the club website and try and find his photo. So I'm just like going through, like <laughs> clicking on this guy. I'm like, I'm like, no, that's not it. <laughs> go to the next one. Click. With that's the not it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's probably like, man, this guy's like planning like a murder or something out here. Um, so I, I find the guy and I, and I call him. He doesn't answer. I text him and I'm like, dude, I'm not leaving here unless I get an answer like about something. So eventually like 20 minutes later, I'm standing outside. He, he texts me back and he goes, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I can't help you. Like I don't do anything involving the sporting group. Like I'm more of like a finance kind of guy. Like here's the number to the head coach. Like, you know, I can't promise you anything. Good luck. So I was like, I was like, like, I've called so many head coaches and sporting directors. Yeah. I was just mad at that point. I was like, man, I, I've done a four hour round trip for zero. Yeah. So I went home and I was like, all right, I guess tomorrow I'll call this guy, whatever, see how it goes. So I call the next day and he answers, which like okay. no one ever answers. If yeah. you've cold called people, you know, Especially no one answers. That's right. No one freaking answers. So uh, and I'm calling with an American number, obviously. So like, yeah. yeah. Um, so he answers and I was like, okay. And like in my head, I was like, I have like 10 seconds to make this phone call. Elevator like, pitch. Let's go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I just, I just quickly like explained like, Hey, you know, it's my name. Um, you know, I was just on trial at this place. I'd been at Yung Chile in the past this year, like, 
I know that you guys only have this many in your squad at the moment. Like, I wanted to see if, like, you have space for a trial or you're looking for players in my position. Um, so we ended up talking for, like, five minutes, and he's like, you know, send me your video. Um, if your video looks all good and, like, I'll check out your CV and, like, contact your references or whatever, like, you can come on trial and, like, I'll, I'll send you the dates once I do all that stuff. So um, he ended up sending me uh, an invitation to come on trial. And uh, I was on trial, I think, for, like, a month. Really? Dude. My nerves, man. Holy moly. Because at that point, for me, you know, it's like, yeah, I really want to play football here. But, like, it was more than just football for me. It was like, yeah, can I be in, in Sweden with, like, with the woman I care about? Mm-hmm. Uh, while still, like, yeah, I still want to play. I still want to take steps forward and, like, go as far as I can in my career. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, after, yeah, four weeks, um, they ended up giving me an offer. So that was how all of that came about. So that, yeah, that was like, uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago almost. Yeah. Okay. Did you, was it a multiple year deal or you... Did you one year to, yeah okay so you'd had to one year go through it again um, before this season yeah so one year um and again when you're on a one-year deal you just have no guarantees yeah so like you have you have a bit of that added pressure on you as well knowing that like if you want to stick around you have to really be performing you have to be worthwhile to the team you have to be adding value in your position and yeah, across the board in the locker room, everywhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fortunately, um, the season went really well for me. Um, I was fit for every single game, um, which was huge. Yeah. Because I think twenty twenty one, I missed one game out of like thirty two that I was uh, available for in uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. And then last year, fit for 35 games, cup and league. Um, so that was that was huge for me. And I think 2021 was where I started, like, really physically to, like, round a corner and start to feel like myself again in terms of, like, yeah, being comfortable in my own body and, like, not yeah. having to play with pain and not having to, like, make my past selection based on my body Yeah, of saying, like, not right, having to adjust your movements or playing just be to compensate. Right. Yeah. yeah, we're like, I pick it up off the right back and I'm like, yeah, I could play the left winger in behind on the diagonal, but like I can't hit that pass today. So like I need to play it like square, like just play yeah. it short. Like, so um, yeah, that was helpful, helpful for me for sure, just to be available, fit, feeling good physically. Um, and then I extended in November of last year for another year. So now yeah. I've gotten until December of, of this year. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, uh, I mean, unless you've got any, any tidbit of, of, uh, advice or anything, I think we'll kind of start to wrap it up, uh, on the journey episode there. Um, yeah, I appreciate having you on. It's, you called it a boring story, but I would 100% disagree with that. That's <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of ups and downs more downs than ups but yeah it all works out for the best in the end 
of course. It's a bit of the, the nature of the profession, unfortunately. That's right. Um, yeah. But again, thanks for coming on and, and sharing the story and, you know, just talking about yourself. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. If you made it this far, I just want to thank you. I just know I appreciate each and every listener. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this particular show and this particular guest. Uh, If you're enjoying the show as a whole, I just ask you to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, and then be sure to pass this on to a friend, colleague, teammate, uh, or an aspiring footballer that you may know. Uh, and again, I just want to thank you for listening to the Full 90 Podcast.